Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low-maintenance Trex deck. The only colour fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Marina, New Zealand, good morning to you on this uh, Friday, the morning after the night uh, before last night. Man, what a game of rugby. What an amazing, amazing spectacle it was. I won't say it was uh, absolutely pure in terms of its quality, but boy, it did have everything. We'll t- talk about that very shortly with Steve Devine. Uh, we'll also um, have uh, a visit to Louis Herman Watt in this hour. We normally have him a little bit later, but we'll uh, check, check in with Louis. Uh, after 9.30, folks, I'd love you to call in uh, on your impressions of what happened last night, what you made of that last call, what you made of the All Blacks performance. Um, just after 10 o'clock, we might have a, a bit of a reflection on the Queen um, and uh, her passing, of course, and um, one or two people I know met her, so uh, we'll talk about that. Uh, the panel, uh, Aidan McLaughlin and Sam Ackerman will come in uh, around about 10.20 this morning. Uh, there will be... Uh, an interview with the Greyhound Racing personality, Steve Evans, who's a trainer, father of Riley, who we've already talked to. So we'll talk to him uh, around about 11.25. Uh, and before that, we shall talk to Brandy Alexander, Greg Alexander, of course, who's got a radio show with Vossi as we speak right now. Uh, as soon as he's finished that, he'll be available to us, and we'll talk about the upcoming playoffs over the weekend in the NRL, two magnificent games in prospect there. Uh, and then, of course, we'll talk to Greg O'Connor about uh, harness racing coming up over the weekend as well. So, a pretty busy show. Sport is our religion. And here is Smithy's Sermon. One great certainty about the game of rugby union. Stick a whistle in a crazy Frenchman's mouth and prepare for anything. Last night, the All Blacks were largely the beneficiary. Not entirely, but largely. But, of course, a few years back against the Lions at Eden Park, they were not. Dave Rennie is right. Monsieur Renal clearly has no feeling for the game, more so the big stage, and didn't he own it last night? It was a test that did possess a lot. Forward passes undetected. A cruel, deceitful tackle, largely unpunished, which would could put an end to Quintapaya's immediate future. The overturning of the last penalty was bizarre. How much time is wasted in any game of rugby with reset scrums, walking to lineouts, lengthy attempts at goal, feigning injuries, you name it. To decide a Bledisloe Cup and a rugby championship on that is a clear indication of a man who has little or no feel for the importance of the moment. The All Blacks will take it though, and so they should, but they will be conscious that twice in 80 minutes they squandered healthy leads. There are issues to confront still, but the attacking flair has returned, the combinations are sprouting wings, and the finishing at times has been exemplary. We know death taxes and the All Blacks beating uh, the Wallabies at Eden Park are three of life's great certainties. So Ian Foster will wake up next Sunday morning with the Bledisloe Cup, the Rugby Championship, on the back of three straight wins. Trophies in the cabinet, faith restored, faith repaid, and then it's on to the north to test the waters up there. Fourth or fifth in the world is about right. Outsiders to win the World Cup is as well. How fickle it all is though, but for the sake of a few seconds and one man's patience, this morning could have felt so much different.
across the field. Ball on the ground. And a penalty, Australia. It's Fochetti, I think, who's got in there and come up with an heroic play. The Australians given a bit of a hurry up here, but this will go out. And all they'll have to do is win the line out and hang on to it for a minute, even less. He's taken too long. He's taken too long. That's massive. Coles wants the ball. It's not a penalty, it's a scrum. Oh, they were trying to run the clock down. This is a sensation. Well, he told them two or three times to hurry up, and they didn't. I say to, to your player, I switch on the time, and you play immediately. And you wait, you wait, you wait. So that's a scrum for the All Blacks. Akira Ioane. Jordan goes on his own, gets the ball away, and Jordan Barrick wins it for New Zealand. Couldn't sleep after that. I honestly could not sleep after it. it. Took me about an hour to get to sleep after that. I could not believe what I was watching. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, and there was plenty of niggle last night, wasn't there? As a test match between the All Blacks and the Wallabies can typically guarantee that. But what was a 39-37 win for New Zealand will mostly be remembered for that bizarre way that you just heard in which the game ended. French referee Mathieu Reynal penalised Bernard Foley. Well, he didn't penalise him. He didn't, I guess, didn't penalise him, really. Uh, but he overturned the penalty uh, for an all-black scrum for time-wasting. Uh, the resulting scrum seeing Geordie Barrett dotting down in the corner. As you just heard, the Wallabies looked absolutely stunned. And you better believe Aussie halfback Nick White was giving the ref an earful long after the game as well. Well then, uh, joining us now is uh, former all-black uh, halfback Steve Devine. And I guess the first question is, Steve... How did you uh, see that last play? What did you make of it? Uh, yeah, listen, it wasn't probably uh, a great decision, but um, you know there was a there was a clear forward pass in one of the Callaway tries. So uh, I, I think it's probably even probably even out at the end, uh, one for them and one for us. Have you ever struck a situation like that where I mean, often referees will warn for time, but in a crucial match with a cru- you know the time up on, almost up on the clock, have you ever seen or struck a, a, a match or a, an international match? Finishing that way? No, that was that was that was a weird decision. But we have seen weirder. We have seen a French referee change his decision um, in years gone by. So, I uh, yeah, I guess I guess he stuck to his guns, and you you know you could tell by the reaction of the uh, Australian players behind Foley that uh, it was pretty clear that they thought the ball needed to be kicked out in a hurry, and and it wasn't done that way. And he decided to back himself on a water penalty. So, you know, he. he he stuck to his guns and did what he did. And, you know, the referee has the whistle and he can decide to do that. But, um, yeah, he didn't go back on it like referees have done in the past. So, um, yeah, it's all part of it, I guess. Okay, well, let's uh, look at uh, the all-black performance aside from that. Um, is there any concern um, with the way that they had healthy leads and, and let them get back into the game twice? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it wasn't... Uh, listen, I think you've got to go back um, five... Or six years to, uh, I mean, except for the French last year when we got, they put 40 on us, I don't think we've conserved 35 points in first match uh, in a long time. I think 2018, maybe. So, um, yeah, I just it wasn't a great night for the defensive side of things, which had you know been so good the week before, uh, or the, the game before. Sorry. So, um, attack attack wise, I think they looked pretty good. They scored plenty of points and were able to score tries. They they fell asleep a little bit, and uh, I just think it was the, the defensive side of the of the performance that, that struggled. You know, Caleb Clark uh, came in off his wing a few times and got caught out and uh, just a couple of missed tackles and, 
and, and that was the difference, really. So you shouldn't um, you shouldn't score thirty seven points in a game of rugby and, and almost lose it. No, it's true. Uh, the other thing you, you mentioned um, the attacking options. Uh, we, we're starting to see the more influence of chip kicking, kicking to wingers on the sideline, uh, putting the ball and, and turning the opposition round. I mean, the classic case of the, the Will Jordan try. Is that a Joe Smith influence all of a sudden? Um, no, I think I think they've been trying to do it throughout the year. Um, it's, it's you know even against the Irish, we, we sort of kicked well. Uh, we kicked, but didn't kick well enough. I just think you know we're getting a little bit better at those kicks. Um, it's a great way to turn that rush defence around. You know when they're coming up and in on you, it's um, you know at speed. It's a good way to um, get in behind them. Um, so they, they have been trying to do it all year. I just think last night they we pulled them off a little bit better. What about the set pieces last night? It appeared, you know, up until that test match as if our front row was uh, was getting it together and quite dominant. But uh, after a, a pretty good start, they seemed to be under pressure last night. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, 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 the scrum started out very well and then sort of turned into, um, you know, we started giving a lot of penalties away from the scrum. The line out was solid. Um, I, I think, um, you know, I think losing Sam Kane, you know, a lot of people have... Um, you know, um, kind of the same throughout this year, but I, I thought he's been pretty outstanding. Um, you know, there was a clear when he when he left the field, there was a little bit of a, a leadership issue. Um, you know, there was um, times in the match where you know we got on the back foot and we, we struggled to get ourselves back into the game. And you know, I sort of put that down to a bit of a leadership thing. Um, you know, we were lucky enough to get out of jail with it, but um, yeah, there was some, some pretty some pretty nervous moments. I. Yeah, I, I, I think I think your leadership was was lacking last night, which is which is of a little bit of a concern. But um, it does make you uh, appreciate, you know, what Sam Kane's been doing over the last, uh, you know, four four months. Let's uh, focus in on then uh, the loose forward area as well. How much did we miss Artie Savier last night? Yeah, well, Artie's an international player, right? He's uh, he's, he's a big game player, and um, he will always be missed uh, for his involvement. You know the big moments. He's, he's always there or thereabouts in the big moments. Uh, um, yeah, I thought Hossings was solid. I, you know, one opportunity to the pass and kick. Um, you know, other than that, I thought he had a, pretty, a good game. A couple of good offloads. He put Caleb Clark into a hole, and, and we're unlucky not to score off that. Um, so yeah, no, I thought I thought Hossings was solid. I, I, um, I thought he had a pretty good game because he hasn't played a lot of rugby lately. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, we're always going to be Hardy. He's he's, a, he's an outstanding performer, and um, you know he's he's world class, and you know he, he's going to be missed if he's not in the field. That's for sure. We've got some issues now uh, to sort through in the back division because um, we don't know about David Harvey with uh, the HIA and how long that will take. But obviously, Quinta Pyre out now. What did you make of that incident? That looked pretty ugly. Oh, that was that was horrific. Oh, you know, that was horrific. That was a blatant uh, attack on. Yeah, you know, on a lower limb, and he, had, he was in. He was in the opposite side of the ruck. Um, you know, he, he shouldn't have been there, and it was an, an attack on a lower limb. It was, it was a horrific incident. It was as bad as you know any hit to the to the head we've seen in the last few months. Um, so yeah, I think he was pretty lucky to to stay on the field. To be fair, how are you looking be, at uh, Aaron Smith at the moment? A lot of people saying uh, he might do with a, a little bit of time sitting watching. Um, what about his form and his performance last night? Um, yeah. Listen, Harry Smith doesn't—he doesn't give you mistakes, all right. And, and sometimes uh, winning test matches is about not making mistakes. Um, he is what he is. Um, I, I, I just feel that maybe he's—you know—he's 
he changed the game at halfback about making quick ruck ball, but I just think he's he's just a little bit slow at the moment. Um, Finlay Christie, um, you know, if we're trying to get quick ruck ball, um, he's definitely our, our number one halfback in, in terms of doing that right now. So, um, yeah, I, 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 my preferred option at nine would be Christie at the moment, just just for that sheer speed. I, I think probably our biggest problem in um, all black rugby right now is is being able to maintain and win our own ruck ball. Um, you know, at times last night we really struggled. We'd only go one phase, we'd either lose it or, you know, we'd lose it at the breakdown. So, you know, we need to be able to win our ruck ball and, and build pressure and build phases and, um, you know, having having someone there quickly, getting rid of the ball quickly certainly does help that. Samasoni uh, Tokiaho appears to be just what we've been wanting at Hooker for quite some time and uh, he seems to have cemented his spot there. Yeah, I think I think the game of rugby has changed a little bit the last few years, and like I really think it's a game now uh, for big bodies, for bigger, heavier bodies. Um, it's just a bit easier to get over the advantage line. It's a, just a bit easier when you're running into uh, you know multiple defenders. So he is that big body, right? And um, you know we look at the the Northern Hemisphere teams and. We even look at the Aussie back row last night. You know, they were they were just big bodies, and um, they get over the advantage line, and it makes the game of rugby going a, a lot easier when you're getting over the advantage line. So um, he's doing a fantastic, fantastic job. Um, yeah, just getting getting us a bit, bit of go for it, which we're sort of we're lacking a little bit at times. Steve, it wasn't that long ago people were calling for Ian Foster's head. Um, they had meetings about uh, whether they were going to change him. It was about three weeks ago, in fact. We've had uh, a loss to Argentina, a win against Argentina, and now a very narrow victory over Australia. Are you any better? Do you feel any better about it? Are you more confident about this All Black squad now? I, I feel I feel like I can see what they're trying to achieve. I, I felt last night's game, attacking game, was probably the best we've attacked in a while. Um, so I've got, you know, I, I do see, I do see improvement in the last two matches, uh, three matches. Um, even the lost to Argentina, I, I, I could see, you know, what they were trying to achieve. We just weren't good enough to get it done. Um, so I, I am hopeful going forward. I, I, you know, I do see changes and I do see what they're trying to achieve and, and it's, it, it is looking good. Um, we just haven't been able to put 80 minutes on the park. Um, you know, we did it against, oh, you know, we had a solid hit out against Argentina um, last game, but, you know, they weren't probably as prepared. I've seen them drop quite a few balls in the warm-up. I, you know, they dropped the ball pretty much off the kickoff. They they maybe turned up not in quite the state they were in the, the week before mentally. So, um, yeah, I just I haven't seen a performance. I thought last night's defensive effort was pretty average. Um, I think we tried to do some um, up-and-in defence. Maybe I haven't really seen the wingers come up-and-in as far as they have uh, in games gone by, so I think we've tried a few things last night that I, I don't think worked very well. If we, we, you know, we need a bit more practice at it, that up and in. If that's all we're going to do, I, I, I myself personally don't like it or agree with it. But you know, we got caught, we got caught going up and in a long way, and um, you know, the Aussies caught us out. So the defence effort needs to it needs to be better. Uh, we shouldn't score thirty seven points in a game of rugby and almost lose it. Mm. Where do where do you think um, where do you think Australia sit then? Where, how do you how do you feel them as a viable option going forward to the World Cup at this point? Uh, we we allowed Australia to be very good. Um, you know, we, we we allowed them to play their rugby. We allowed them to get on the outside of us, and uh, 
you know, if we don't rush up and in, I, I think we, I, I think we hold them to their tackles, and they don't really have the power and the go forward. Um, you know, so we played into their hands a little bit last night in terms of allowing them to play the rugby they wanted to play. If you look at the week before Africa, just they just strangled them, did not allow them to play any rugby at all, and um, and they really struggled. You know, defensively, we 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 were a bit weak, a bit soft, and allowed them to do what they wanted to do. So, I mean, going forward, the Aussies are going to struggle. Uh, I just don't think they have the go forward. Um, their line-out struggled a little bit last night, um, you know, which is showing the Bill Blacks are sort of getting on top of their game um, back to the line-out where they were so dominant. Um, yeah, I made a few injuries to the Wallabies team, and, and you know, they, they, they just don't have that depth, unfortunately. Um, you know, the, the, the issues in around 10, issues in and around 9, and also the front row. You know, they've got a couple of outstanding players, but if they get a few issues in those good positions, they, they, they really are a few holes. About eight days now uh, with the Thursday night game, about eight days until um, Eden Park. Steve, just finally, uh, what are you expecting there? Status quo, all-black dominance there, or uh, what, what, yeah. would you, uh, what would you forecast? Uh, I, I'd like to see, I'd probably like to see Hofsky stay. Um, at eight, uh, maybe Artie to seven um, as, as an option. Uh, Artie definitely comes back into the team, so you make you make way for him. Um, but I'd like to see Roger have a crack at twelve. Um, we're um, definitely going to have one twelve out. Whether Roger starts or is on the bench, I'm, I'm not sure. I thought Jordy was pretty good. I thought Jordy was pretty good at twelve as, as being an option for us there as well. Um, just a big body who can carry hard and get over the advantage line. What we we're talking about before. Uh, which would leave, you know, I'd love to see Will Jordan have a go at fullback. I just think, I just think he's a world class fullback. I, I, I don't really like him on the wing. I like him in the middle of the field where he can turn up on both sides uh, in space, uh, like he did for that little tip kick. You know, he turned up, you know, in the middle of the field where a fullback should be and, and called it and found the space. And um, the try against the Irish, you know, he turned up inside ten and found space and uh, went the length of the field. I, I just think he's a world class. Back and I think we're going to have a whole lot more attacking options if, if he's in that position. Um, uh, yeah, other than that, I I hope they don't progress with this up and in stuff. Um, I, I just I didn't think it worked so well for us, and um, you know, our defence through most of the um, rugby championship is pretty 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 outstanding. I thought so. Maybe um, take that out and just go back to our normal um, defence up and out, and I, I think it should be all right. Steve Devine, thank you very much for your assessment of last night's performance. Uh, look forward to uh, Eden Park. Thanks for your time, Steve, as always. Yeah, cheers, mate. He's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. Well, it was a dollar one and shortening this morning that the text uh, would be flooding in on the temper bedpost text machine. It has just been amazing uh, in the first half hour what's come through. And uh, so many of them are so valid, and we shall get through them, hopefully, in the next three hours. I'll get through a couple right now. Uh, tired of teams wasting time, feigning injury, and acting like thugs. The Wallabies of late have been good at all three. Rennie was angered at the ref's call, which was debatable. I just hope he was just as angered with the act of Darcy Swain. That's from JJ. Now, Darcy Swain, JJ, that's a, a wonderful text, actually. Darcy Swain, remember him? He was the guy banned for two tests against uh, England for head-butting. So uh, let's not forget, he's not Joe Innocent, is he, this fellow? And when he lined up Quintapaya's knee like that, and he did, and he took it out, that was one of the ugliest things you'll see. Happened to Sam Kane, actually, against uh, Argentina uh, as well, when uh, Sam Kane was taken out from uh, the side 
um, and uh, that looked pretty poor as well. But on, in all honesty, I've got to say that was the ugliest thing I saw last night in that game. Take away the time-wasting, uh, the controversial finish, um, any, any of the other things that you thought weren't too good. That act on Quintapaya, who knows what the ramifications will be for that poor kid. You know, uh, he, he's a good player. He's a hell of a good player. I think he was uh, going to be part of the, uh, the World Cup squad. Let's hope he still is. But that could take quite some time to come back from. And who knows what kind of uh, player he'll be when he comes back from it. But that was just an act, a, absolute act of thuggery. And when you take a player out of the game for that long, you deserve more than a yellow card. And I hope that can be somehow revisited. Uh, Dave, uh, Kevin from uh, Titarangi says, Smithy, the, that referee not only made a panic decision, he's also made it a dead series. People saying, good job, Australia, but we have a fabulous, a key, uh, fabulous Kiwi coaching them. And as a Kiwi, I want our Kiwis to do well, whether here or overseas. Dave Rennie is doing all right. Yeah, he is doing all right. The problem is, Kevin, he's not getting the results for it. Uh, and yet uh, another loss to the All Blacks will be racked up against Dave Rennie's name last night. A lot of people will say and brush it off because of the way the game ended and look at the character they showed in coming back on a couple of occasions. So, that, you know, th there are a lot of good things that Dave Rennie has got with that side. Uh, but... Uh, at the end of the day, it's another loss and uh, you'd be dreaming if you think uh, we'd be anything but hot favourites to do it again at Eden Park. I mean, they just can't win, can they? They simply can't. It is uh, coming up to 9.30. More texts to read out, but also some calls, please. 0800 0800-150811. 0800-150811. Lovely to hear uh, your feedback on uh, what you saw last night. Um, those dis contentious decisions, the All Blacks performance, where do you think we sit now? Uh, all those opportunities will be available to you after the news here from Aroha. With Smithy, brought to you by Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Call now for a chance to win today's $50 Chemist Warehouse voucher. 0800 150 811. Nine thirty-two here on SENZ. Yes, uh, keep the calls coming in. Uh, the board is uh, pretty full at the moment, and I'm very pleased to say the first caller comes from my neck of the woods, just down the road in Hastings. James, good morning to you. Morning, Smitty. How are you? I'm okay. I'm I'm sort of a, a bit stunned actually, and a, a bit tired because uh, I watched that game. I watched the finish, and I just couldn't go to sleep after it. It was fascinating. <laughs> so I heard. I heard you uh, mention about Moanga taking time to kick his goal. Have you ever kicked a goal in a test match? No, I have not. No, I didn't think so. Well, imagine how much concentration it takes and and thought process. Um, and how long do you think it takes to kick a goal, a ball over the, over the touchline? About five seconds. I, I, yeah, well, uh, I, I get your point, James, and I get where you're coming from. The, the fact of the matter, that was just a, an example of where time is used up and dead time is used up yeah. within the game. It's like walking to line-outs yeah. and that sort of thing. But I, I yeah. put a clock yeah. on that because that was, uh, an, uh, I just thought how um, an, a good comparison it would be. So, um, And that was, uh, I think, the last uh, kick we had at goal, actually, apart from the, the failed conversion right at the end. I, I get where you're coming from, I, I know, and I think probably a, a minute 20 is, a minute 30 is probably acceptable to kick an important goal in a test match. I, I totally agree with you. But it's just a, a question of where you draw the line, what is time-wasting and what is not time-wasting. I mean, for instance, I would say, James, if uh, the All Blacks uh, were behind... 
when um, Richie Mwanga kicked that goal and they needed to kick that goal and get on with the game again because they needed more points, I would say it yeah. wouldn't take them one minute 20 to kick it, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And it wouldn't have taken that long if they needed to get on with the game at the end and they were in front. He would have kicked it out smartly, got their line out, held the ball, kicked it out at time and that would have been done. James, you're absolutely right. And uh, I'll tell you what, the, the guy feeling the most sick about it this morning won't be the referee. It will be Bernard Foley because uh, if you see the replays, he was uh, even his own teammates were getting anxious about the situation. Uh, he's an old player. He's an old, uh, old experienced player. And apart from that, I thought he had a mag- magnificent game um, coming back out of international rugby for three years. Outstanding. James, appreciate your call and take your points on board. Very valid. Uh, Jeff, the ref from Cromwell. The refs are under a, a real scrutiny this morning, so Jeff's part of that. Yeah, morning, Smitty. I'm, not, I'm normally a one coffee man, but I'm, I'm a third bugger now, just to keep myself awake. Uh, just to that last call there, by law, you've only got one minute. You know, once the, if you're given a penalty kick and the skipper indicates to the post, you've got one minute by law. And uh, like a try, for example, if a try scored, then you've got, you've only, by law, you've only got a minute. But we know they do drag on and and, and I sometimes stop the clock, you know, regarding that. Um, yeah. Just on the game, just on the game, Smithy, the referee was clear and decisive in his decision making. You know, we clearly the line outs were both in the gap. Well, both teams at time, but particularly the All Blacks, and we got free kick and penalised there. The scrums with uh, pushing over the mark early, correct, and, and, and collapsing. But uh, the breakdown was a bit of an area that normally, like there's a lot of where the turnover, where the, the, the guy wasn't, I uh, was raking the ball back, so I put his, put his hands on the ground first and raked the ball back. So that's clearly illegal. Um, and both sides were getting away with that. Um, and that's what happened to me. I know regarding that last free kick, uh, they all back Scott, um, and which, uh, we won the game, which is pretty exciting, I must admit. But, but clearly that turnover was illegal because the player, the Aussie player, clearly wasn't supporting his weight. So we sort of, in hindsight, got the, the penalty there, not the Australian. So... They're clearly not supporting the weight. I've got to be, that's by law. You've got to clearly be supporting your weight to get the and hands on the ball, not the ground first. So, um, that's, but yeah, um, it's exciting rugby. Um, they got some exciting loosies too, haven't they? Aussies, shit. Yeah, they have. They've got a very good loose forward trio, and and uh, bear in mind there was a couple of them, including Michael Hooper, not there. So uh, they have got a wealth of them, uh, Jeff. Um, thanks very much. Thanks very much for clarifying uh, a lot of those. And uh, I, Unfortunately, I'm like you. I, I spent a lot of the, the game uh, analysing the referee's performance when I should be just enjoying the rugby. But uh, you, of course, uh, with your experience, are much, much better at it than I am. And I thank you for your call and clearing that up. Uh, Dave from Palmerston North. Dave, uh, thanks for making the time to call this morning. What's on your mind? I'm not sure I can hear Dave. Um, can the listeners hear Dave? Okay, uh, Dave, not uh, not as audible as uh, I wanted them to be. So, Joey from Auckland. Morning, Joey. How are you feeling this morning? Yeah, yeah look, I thought the ref was in his, his rights without a doubt. I thought he was milking it, and, and he won't do that again. You know, it's, 
it's one. It's a tough one. I know. It's, it's probably one of the first times it's happened. But the guys do milk it, and he was told to by the referee to to kick it out, and he and he didn't. So in the consequences, it cost them. Um, also, two some of the um, you know I've been talking about Dalton Papaliti and then getting the chance. He got his chance. Um, I thought he was only only average, and um, and uh, you know from what he was doing, and also too. Um, I just think, you know, this up and under uh, that the Gary Owen they're doing, it's, it's not really working. I mean, South Africa did it against us, I think, down in Dunedin, and they won a test against us. And now everyone seems to be doing it. What happens is when you're in your, your own 22 and you're doing it, Smith does an up and under, up to halfway, if we don't get the ball back, they make three phases. They're back in our 22. We should be holding mm. on to the ball. And, and, and if we hold on to the ball, we'll win more matches. And we need, I think, I don't, I don't think we're, as, we are fit, but I don't, and we're one of the fittest sides around, but I don't think we're as fit as what we were two or three years ago. And this is the thing, I, I think that's why they're doing a lot more kicking, um, because of that. And as I say, if you hang on to the ball, they will not, they will, uh, they can't, you can't win a test match or win a game if you haven't got the ball. And, and, and a Hoskins Satutu, Needs needs more time. He 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 made a lovely break. He had a guy inside him, and he kicked. You know, um, I would say Artie Savir would have held on to that ball. I'm not knocking him mm. so much for that, but at the end of the day, you know, they're just crucial little things. You know, when when they got down to um, a 13 men, Smithy, we had a chance. That we had an overlap, and we bombed that. And you know, the way we're going at the moment, I still don't think we can win the World Cup. If we keep playing like this, we got out of jail, and and there's no two ways about it. They should have won that game because all they had to do was kick the ball out, get the line out, and they would have won it. Totally agree. Absolutely, totally agree with uh, all of those uh, points, Joey. I think it's uh, uh, fair to say that um, I, I'd. I wouldn't uh, dump anyone on that performance, but you're dead right about kicking the ball away. Look how dangerous we were when we tried to attack from deep, uh, you know, with our little chip kicks or uh, the, the Geordie Barrett one when he he found uh, Caleb Clark on the left wing with space. Uh, that was that kick was from well inside the 22. We, we've we've got to back ourselves a lot more uh, instead of just kicking it away because we are dangerous. There's no doubt about it. We have got flair. We've got danger with ball in hand from just about anywhere on the field because we've got that express pace when we get half a gap. So Joey, um, absolutely right about that. Uh, and maybe that's something they'll look uh, they'll look at for um, Eden Park this weekend. But the box kick has certainly crept uh, deeply into the heart of most rugby at the moment. Uh, Dave, we'll try you again. Dave from Palmy, uh, good morning again. G'day, Smith. It's going around there. I don't know what happened. Hey, um, look, um, I'm still not convinced. Um, I listen to it on the radio. Australia missing nine frontline players, you know, including probably one of the world's best sevens. Um, the defence referee, look, we're going to get more of the same in the Northern Hemisphere, so we've just got to wise up to it. Uh, I thought uh, Geordie Barrett, he, he was not not that great when he came in the second five, was he? First play, wrap around, score a try. Not too bad at all, not too bad at all. And finally, that Darcy Swain, if Jared Warrior or Hartgrave is still over there, maybe he'd like to just pop round and see him this morning on behalf of Quinton Tapia, just say hello. <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I think that would be an, one of those tears, uh, maybe. <laughs> I, I I I could see that I could see him knocking at your door. You'd <laughs> run up. I'd yeah. have a peephole. I knew Jared Warrior Hargraves was knocking on the front door. Or t- but you're right. 
that I, I mean that's just awful you I mean uh, to, to just target someone's knee like that and, and he clearly did he clearly did yeah. uh, he had time to, to adjust the way he, he grabbed hold of him he could time to rethink it but he didn't and and, and this, no. the poor kid was just in agony I just I hated yeah. it but you know that could geez at that age in the healing process and rehab you know he'd be gone for up to six, eighteen months and that's next year's World Cup and we're not we're not that too flush in the midfield at the moment, mind you. Geordie, yeah, I thought he did brilliantly. You know, it's, 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 it's you know, if you had Jared looking through one of those magnifiers at you, you'd, you'd be thinking twice. And uh, finally, Smitty, go the bay. Let's keep that shield. Have a good weekend, yeah, mate. Yeah, we'll keep it. Yeah, cheers, Dave. Yeah, we've got Wellington tomorrow, so that'll be an interesting challenge. Uh, but it uh, looks uh, so far in the distance for me, Dave. Thanks very much for your call. Ben, Ben from Christchurch. Morning, Ben. Hey, morning, Smithy. Hey, I just a uh, couple of observations I've, I've sort of made in, in recent times watching the uh, the All Blacks, and then maybe get your thoughts from even being able to see it up in the the com box there. But when we um, we have our first five, seems to move out of the defensive line. So either Moanga or Barrett tend to play at fullback, and um, either Geordie or even I uh, know against South Africa, uh, Lester Fonganuku sort of come as that first. Uh, line of defence and I think we're getting a bit clunky on attack and defence because we don't have that game driver driving the defence and the and the attack where if we maybe use likes of an Andrew Murdens as an example back in the day wasn't the greatest defender but seemed to stay in his place at first five and you, you have your, um, your flankers coming off and doing the tackling work and then if there's a quick turnover the, the attack set again or that man is driving the defence He's yelling at his guys where they need to be. Um, and I just noticed last night it seemed to be uh, a couple of times Moanga sort of goes back into that fullback position and mm-hmm. and then we kind of just seem to lose a bit of structure. Um, and I've noticed we've done it for a wee while now. Do, do you see other teams doing doing that sort of thing? I do see it um, in a lot of New Zealand sides, actually, when you've got a, a smaller or a, you know, a, a defending uh, Number ten, they tend to drift either that or they use them out wide um, as well. They go out to the the extremities. Uh, one of the reasons they put them back, of course, is is um, the box kick and they're, they're good under the high ball and they can um, generate a counter attack as such. And uh, they are very good at that. But I, I quite what I did quite like um, what I saw last night. Then is is when you've got one or two options as playmaker. I, I didn't mind Barrett, Bowden Barrett, and Geordie Barrett and Richie Moanga all got co- good kicking games in and around that playmaking area. And, and we saw with the Will Jordan try, that was instigated by a brilliant touch from Bowden Barrett. So, I mean, when you've got one, uh, I think it's defendable, but when you've got one, two or three who have got that flair about them in terms of the chip kicking, etc., that's pretty hard to defend. No, I do like that. I do understand the the, the, the sort of process around it. It was more just, yeah, I just wondered if that was creating a bit of indecision um, around guys uh, or, yeah, just making it a wee bit clunky, kind of, especially on defence. Yeah. Uh, but the attacking side of things, I think it made a big difference, actually, maybe when Bodie came on, just having that, that second receiver, like, yeah, it puts that puts him in a couple of minds. Is he going to kick? Is he going to pass? Or is he going to run? He's dangerous as all, all three um, there. 
Um, and the other one was just yeah, on the box kick. I, I actually think um, we we just our kickers just seem to to not actually quite kick it as high and as far as as maybe even sort of the Irish in the the Springboks did. So when our guys are, are running after it, they're actually getting there kind of at full full pace instead of being able to get there kind of set, jump up and and contest the ball. Um, and then we've even seen quite a few injuries with guys just going in at full pace, eyes on the ball trying to catch. Um, and and they're sort of just getting there as it's kind of kind of hitting that that catchable level instead of um, like I know the guy Parks I think he was the Kiwi halfback for uh, the the Irish he was um, brilliant just seemed to be getting a great amount of height on the ball and then his his wingers or chasers just you know they had time to to run through sort of set themselves jump and contest the ball um, a bit more and yeah something I've kind of noticed is just 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 that there uh, on a few wee things so yeah like like you said back ourselves a bit more out of uh, out of the 22 instead of putting this kick in because I'm not sure if that's our strength at the moment Great points, uh, Ben. Um, take them on board as well. Thank you for that. I'm just trying to think about other sides. Andre Pollard, big man, big number 10 for South Africa. Quite often drops back too when uh, opposition sides are on attack. So I don't think it's just the All Blacks. I think it's across the board. It is 9.47 here on SENZ. I thank you very much for your calls. I think we could have talked till about midday. We've had that many of them, but we've only had a small window. So thank you for that. Enjoyed it. Winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. Well, it's Ladies' Day today, apparently, at uh, Taupo. They have eight races beginning at 12.27, and then tomorrow we've got uh, She's Lickety Split in uh, action at Caulfield and the George Main Stakes at Randwick, Louis Herman Watt. Well, let's rip through this, Smithy, okay? What does Guy Lowry do when he goes over the hill? I don't know. Well, he wins races, usually. So he's taking Piper's, oh, okay. he's taking Piper's fling to, to Topol today, race seven. Look, I just think she was super impressive and so unlucky fresh up in that nice race where Cognito's come out of, uh, Arrowettes come out of, and even the thing that ran behind her is in today as well, Jaffera in race number four, four Jaffera for the Wexford boys, four eighty and a dollar seventy. So that's one leg there you could take the dollar seventy a place. You could go into race number five, and unfortunately, scratchings have made Stella Splendida a dollar forty. Very very short, but look on a trial form, she should be handling that field. Although good to see time flies back at the races, and then Piper's fling three sixty a dollar fifty five. Do what you want with her, but I just think she can win today. She was so good. Uh, on her debut, she's going to take improvement for it. Um, Kate Hercock will not get that ride wrong again. And then tomorrow, Smithy, who are you with? Who are you with? I can see it here, Logan. Uh, who are you with? You with Animo. Animo or Zaki? Yep. Animo. Okay. Mm. Me too. Okay. Animo, mate. Settled. You're with Animo as well? <laughs> yes. We agree on something. We, we agree on something to finish the week, Louis. Uh, have, a gra- have a great punt, mate. Have a great weekend. Uh, and... Um, We'll be back very shortly with uh, my multi for the weekend as well. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. All right, multi for the weekend. Eels to beat the Raiders at $1.49. Hawks Bay to beat Wellington. And the Shield Challenge at $1.52. And Argentina 
I'll take the seven and a half point start against the Springboks. So Argentina plus seven point five for a dollar eighty seven, and that multi's up at four dollars twenty three. Four dollars twenty three. So uh, we're going to uh, open up the lines, uh, I think, just after 10 o'clock again, uh, give you the opportunity to vent your spleen or have a crack at me or the referee or whoever you like. Um, and uh, just just let it, let it out. Let it out. Let it out. Are we back on track? Not sure. 10 o'clock here on SENZ, and uh, it's time for Aroha with her update. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It is 10.03 here on SENZ and the good news is uh, we've uh, made some time available for some continued calls. We had a lot of them backed up and uh, the first one backed up was uh, Dean from Dunedin. Good morning to you, mate. How you doing, Smithy? Yeah, good, good. Pretty good. What about you oh, after yeah. last night? I've oh, answered a few questions, to be brutally honest, like... I said to you yesterday, I thought that we would um, take them apart. And at 31 13, I thought, yep, we're on the money. Will Jordan will score another try and I'll have the 1 to 20 points margin. The thing that I was impressed with was the Australian loose forward. Well, that Valentino, I've mentioned on the radio before, like, never watched him play because he got injured in the Blue semi final. But what a player. Like, he is, he's world class. Not to be honest, yes, I didn't even know who their full pack was. When I, I didn't really know much about him. When they brought back Bernard Foley, I thought, oh, where are they going? And Rennie would be gutted that he didn't have everyone available. But Hoskins Satudu, for me, Smitty, I don't know. Well, he clearly is a good player, but you're given an opportunity to grasp and make an, a statement, and he did nothing. For me, he did nothing. Akira's done nothing when he gets on the field as an impact player. Bring him off for five minutes. What the point, bring him off? So there's more... It's back to where we're right at the start of the year for me. Like we're not, we're not learning. We're not getting better. Like Will Jordan, why he wasn't put to fullback and Bowden put on the wing? Bowden's electric quick. Jordan just offers more at fullback. Bowden doesn't really want to play there and have to tackle those big uh, wingers running at him flat out. He's made that clear, but they still they slip him back there. And the last try of the game, well, Will Jordan's at fullback, entering where a fullback should, and sets up. Geordie on the wing. Now, Geordie can play. He's the perfect reserve if you've got Mawanga kicking. How can blokes like myself see this and the people that are making the decisions are miles away? Like a 31-13, Smitty, really? We should we should be winning that comfortably. That, the other things that concern me most about that performance last night is how we got two really good leads initially. We, we came out of the blocks nicely because we haven't always done that, so I was happy with that. And then, of course, we, we put it on them, and uh, we, we, we all but put them away, but couldn't. And uh, when they came back, and when Peter Samu scored that try in the corner, and he had a fairly good game as well, don't forget Peter Samu, um, I, I was really worried that uh, we, you know, we hadn't learned much at, much at all. And, and take away that last refereeing decision, take away the fact that in the end we burgled a victory. Uh, there were signs for me that still... Uh, tell me, Dean, that we are fourth, fifth uh, best in the world and we're far from anywhere near favourites to win this World Cup at this point. Far from it. I totally agree, but look, I think we've got the players, Smithy. That's the concerning thing for me. Like All three of those Wallaby loose fours are outstanding. I, I actually thought Valentino was Pete Samu. I, I've never seen the guy. Like, but what, 
and 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 Pete Samu's skin will Jordan. Like, he doesn't miss many times, but they're only human. You're going to miss the old one. And but Caleb Clark for me, like, is he out of his depth? Like, he's got he knows Rico's quicker than he is, and he comes in and they basically bang into each other. Like, surely he runs wide, draws the winger as far away as possible, and then flicks it to Rico and he scores under the post. So like, that, that's schoolboy stuff, and they're getting it wrong time and time again. They won't even talk about his defense running in. Like, I didn't blame Bowden. When he hung back, he has to, in my opinion, because no one's going to get to the outside man. It made him look a bit foolish, but he's got to back his cover to make the inside tackle, which someone almost did, and he was still there if need be to get the winger, because if he comes in, the winger gets it, he, he scores, unless he drops the ball. So that's mm. a lay down with his decision. I don't care. Like, I thought that referee was very, very good. And whether he got it right, whether he got it wrong, I, I mean, I've... Personally, I think I would have gone to the linehouse, stopped the clock, told the, the clock, this, whoever runs that, and says, mate, we're playing two more minutes. And I, if if yep. it is a scrum off that, I don't know. But there's lots that, of ways you could have dealt with that that was slightly better. Yeah. That's exactly what I thought might have happened. I was going to ask Jeff the ref about that this morning, actually, too, whether the, the referee still has some leeway uh, to add time on. There used to be a thing called referee's time. And I just wonder whether he still had um, that opportunity to add time on and make a common sense decision about that and, and let the let the game take its course under that regard. But you, 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 the more you think about it, um, you know, and I, I, I still ha- hate to see that kind of thing. And I don't care who's involved, to be perfectly honest. And we were the beneficiary of it. But I, I just, I, I just kind of thought, you know, and and you know, the more you look at it, Bernard Foley will be feeling more and more sick because he did get a reminder from his teammates and. Uh, it was in it was in the uh, in the offing, but I just kind of think, in in that regard, it just didn't feel right. But feel right on the scoreboard. Uh, thanks, Dino. Uh, Anthony from Invercargill. Good morning to you. Good morning, um, Smithy. I uh, just ringing up about last night's game. On attack, yes. we're probably the world's best team, but on defence, we're probably not even in the top five. If we're going to be really honest, like we we had a great start. And then we let them into the game, and then going into half time, it was a bit patchy. But then we scored quick, and it, and then we got got that buffer of from thirty one thirteen, and then we let them back in. Like the the, the defense needs a good hauling over. Like there's no leaders, no de- defense leadership. I wonder this, uh, Anthony, last night, a lot of uh, the defence we were talking about there, players rushing up and players coming from uh, outside in too early. Um, when Callaway scored uh, his second try, I think, Rich, uh, Richie Moanga rushed up really quickly and then couldn't get back in time to pin him. Uh, so uh, I think there was um, issues there, but we did lose our starting centres, both of our starting uh, centres, or no, not our starting one, but our replacement centre. So... Uh, we lost to Pyre, of course, uh, very quickly after we lost Harvili. So I wonder if that uh, just threw a, a bit of a spanner in the works as well. Um, but, yeah, I, I take your point. Uh, we do look very good. We are clinical when it comes to finishing. We uh, have a good scramble defence at times as well. But uh, and, uh, and uh, Rico Ioane saved another try last night, getting that hand under the ball when Callaway all but scored in the first half. So we have uh, not a bad scrambling defence, but we have issues before that still have issues before that. It's quite clear and it's quite uh, really being um, exposed at times. Uh, thanks, Anthony. Uh, Zaid, good morning to you. Zaid from Auckland, of course. Um, 
Good morning. I reckon um, we definitely left a good few points out there in the first half. Like um, some of those attack options were poor when we were um, when Australia was down to 13. Um, and on the final decision at the end of the game, no, I reckon I reckon that's karma. There should have been a red card for um, the Philip tackle on Quintu Pai. I'm not. I reckon that's fair that we got um, that they gave um, Ping Dozzy for time wasting because that should have been a red card any any minute of the day. He clearly injured Quintu Pia, and that should have been a red card. So he's clearly injured him. Um, for me, though, player of the match um, was best player out there was Samioni Takiaho. That guy just is getting better and better every game. Um, he's the number one hooker for the All Blacks for the World Cup next year. Um, Ethan DeGroote and Taro Lomax, another good game. Um, yeah, and I thought Scott Barrett looked very good out, at, very good at six. Um, last night, um, yeah, not too sure about Aaron Smith. Want to see Finlay Christie maybe get a bit more of a go. Um, Richie Mwanga, he played good, but that um, kick out on the full, I think that's what got Aussie back in the game, to be honest, because it seemed like we lost the momentum, but we should have been all over them, really. Um, we let them off the hook. Um, once Will Jordan scored at 31-13, the game, we should have shut the gates and got the game over. Um, yeah, you're right. Some of Caleb Clark's maybe decisions weren't the best, and um, Hoskins to Tutu kicking the ball that was a bit dumb. Should have just passed that and probably could have scored. Um, there was also um, yeah that chance where that Rico Iwani pass was probably a bit too early, but um, it was a great performance from the All Blacks. But on Aussie, um, that uh, Rod Valentini was real good, and um, Marika Corabetti's got some pace. Um, Andrew Callaway was pretty good for me as well. But I'm just, I'm just happy I'm not a fan of Nick White. So um, it's good he was angry after the game anyway because I don't, I don't like him. <laughs> Zade, uh, there's a lot of people don't like uh, Nick White. Uh, quite a few Australians do, though. Um, South Africans not too fussed on him. And uh, a lot of us over here, he's just one of those guys that really just gets you rankled, doesn't he? He's just skin going. Um, but he, I don't know, it's with, with the way he looks or the way he acts, but he just uh, has a habit of uh, getting under your skin. There's no doubt about it. Uh, thanks very much for your calls this morning. We've got a, a zillion texts as well. We're going to have a panel shortly. Uh, a couple of the texts uh, that have uh, come in. One of the big things about the Foley situation, uh, says Jeremy, is that five or six players behind him had heard the warning and knew they were going to be pinged for it. When it happened, they weren't angry at the ref. They were disappointed at Foley. Jeremy, I saw that too. Uh, good spot. Uh, and uh, quite clearly, the more times you look at it and the more you analyse it, uh, Bernard Foley will feel more and more sick about it this, this morning as uh, he wakes up about quarter past eight um, somewhere in Melbourne. Um, Zane, just stepped off the plane home from Tokyo. I was lucky enough to have Wi-Fi on the flight, so I managed to listen to the All Blacks, and I have to say it was a hard listen. When was the last time you could accuse the All Blacks of being clinical? Sure, we won, but damn, how many tries did we blow? Regarding the ref, I heard he's a Warriors fan, so he's getting a little bit of payback on the Aussies after everything the refs have been giving us. Uh, great to be back amongst it, Zane. Great to have you back in the country. Um, uh, what is annoying is that nearly every ruck, every ruck there is a ceiling off and also time-wasting in most areas of the game. Refs seem to only penalise these things at the end of games when results are on the line. They should penalise at the start of the game to stop it. Hey Smithy, hopefully the talk about Papa Lee taking over Kane stops 
He is nowhere near his uh, level. Sadly, having him and Akira on the bench together mean there wasn't much grunt coming on in the loose forwards. I bet Foster wishes he could have Blackadder and Grace available. Without Artie and Shannon, we look light in the Lucies. And that is uh, a message from John. Um, I assume the uh, decision by the referee was legitimate. I agree with reducing the time-wasting tactics, not to mention I get frustrated when the referee has told the halfback to use it, often three or more times. That should be a turnover scrum decision. There currently appears to be no consequence in ignoring the referee. Smithy, let's move on from what was a subpar performance. At Eden Park, I'd like to see some changes. Smith needs a sit-down. Give Christie and Fokatava 40 minutes each, giving them equal opportunity uh, put, to put their hand up. Artie should come in at seven, leave Hoskins and Barrett in the mix. The next one, uh, the next one won't happen, but I'd like to see Geordie at 12, Jordan at 15, RTS to join the bench rotation and bring Lester Fyanganuku back in on the wing. Cheers, Matt, and uh, thank you very much uh, for all your correspondence uh, so far. We'll continue to read it out throughout the morning. Panel shortly. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Aidan McLaughlin with us this morning, as is uh, Sam Hackerman, and plenty to talk about uh, Sam Hackerman, uh, rugby, rugby league, etc. First of all, Sam, uh, did you watch last night? What did you make of the finish and uh, the overall all-black performance? Uh, first of all, uh, if I uh, look at this objectively, um, the it was a shocking call, I believe, the last one. I know there was uh, warnings given, but... I'll be. It's it's like we say in, in so many sports. All you ever ask for from officials is uh, is consistency. How often do we see time wasting with ball in hand from penalties or tap kicks or trying to reset scrums, whatever it is, uh, late in the game and teams milk it. It is part of the um, the psyche of the sport. Whether we agree with it or not is beside the point. I if. I've never seen a situation, and I don't. Listen, I, I definitely think White and the Wallabies were, were milking um, every second they could out of that clock, but I don't think they are milking it beyond what I've seen a hundred times in uh, Test rugby before, where you try to run the clock down when you have that type of uh, breather in, in a situation like that. So I thought I thought the call was extraordinarily rough. It was an amazing Test match, and I just got such a buzz out of watching the Wallabies play. This type of rugby, we've, we grew up watching the Wallabies play, knowing that they were tough, knowing that they'd be uh, relentless, and they just kept staying in the contest. So I was really impressed with their attack, and I feel, I feel for the Wallabies. But uh, you know what? The All Blacks can only play the cards that are in front of them, and they did so brilliantly. The patience with the ball uh, in that last, uh, that, that last phase, even when they had the, the penalty option, uh, the finishing, Will Jordan's pass uh, through to Geordie Barrett, those are moments that are clutch, uh, the, that we've seen the uh, the All Blacks be below par with the season. They came through with the goods when they when they uh, needed it, and for that uh, I've got to applaud them. But I thought that decision was just shocking. And Smitty, I've got to say, for rugby, it shows what rugby means to Australia right now. A Thursday night Test match? Are you kidding me? I know it's in Melbourne. I know it's the finals. Guess what? Of the AFL, I should say. Guess what? Don't play a Test match in Melbourne during the AFL finals. It, it, to me, it, it really diminished what the uh, value was. A Thursday night test match, that's... In rugby league, they play Thursday night games in the NRL. They've got eight games to try to fit in across a weekend. They're trying to milk out a TV audience. To me, it it really just 
I don't know. I went in with a really negative mindset to it because, you know, who could remember there's a test match on Thursday? That's not when you play that level. I, I thought that was a real insult to the game. Sam Ackerman with us there. Uh, Aidan McLaughlin uh, out of uh, Havelock North, the beautiful Havelock North. Uh, Aidan, good morning to you. Um, what did you make of uh, that final decision, point one? And uh, if you analyse that all-black performance, uh, they blew substantial leads twice in one match. Yeah, morning, Smithy. Morning, Sam. I'm in a, a, a agreement with most of what Sam said, to be honest with you. Uh, I, Although to the letter of the law, it may have been the right decision, um, all we want is consistency. And that decision stuck out like a sore thumb in the context of not only that match, but in, in modern-day rugby. I mean, how many people have we seen or heard since uh, the game that have said that is the first time I've ever seen that? I can't remember that ever happening before. And that is the problem. Um, if this was something that was happening day in, day out, at all levels of the game, uh, then I can, I can understand that decision at the end. But it's not, which is why it's so shocking to us all and is why we're all talking about it today when we should be talking about uh, the rest of the game. Um, that said, to me, you know, Foley was well positioned there to, to kick the ball and then they could have strolled up to roughly the halfway line taken the time getting to the line-out, killed more time there. So it wasn't the smartest play by Foley, who's very experienced, but mm. totally agree that although it was technically the right decision, it should not have come down to that. Um, in terms of the performance by the All Blacks, well, I don't think we've moved forward, really. Um, can you remember uh, a time when an All Black team would be 31-13 up in a Bledisloe Cup game and they would end up almost losing the game? So I think there's some serious issues there. Um, they had flashes of excellent play, as did the Wallabies. But ultimately, when there's nearly 80 points scored in a game, the defences uh, have had uh, moments of, of lapses, for sure. And I think, in general play, the All Blacks struggled as well. So we go back to Eden Park. We'll be, the All Blacks will be strong favourites, but there's still a lot to work on. Yeah, I'm not confident at all that we've made a lot of progress, to be perfectly honest. Uh, moving on, um, Sam, uh, did you watch that? Uh, I thought of you last week, actually, the, uh, when I was watching that Roosters-Rabbitohs um, game. What did you make of that? Yeah, it's, um, I, I mistakenly thought I was um, sitting down for a game of rugby league. Foolish, uh, foolish with me. That was that, that was uh, very similar, slightly bigger lads, um, and I'll granted a bit more skillful uh, to the uh, games of league we'd play at lunchtime in high school, um, where it was uh, mostly just trying to put a shot on somebody. Uh, if you scored a try, great, you know, sure. If you won the game, it, it was to me uh, a, a spiteful encounter. Uh, and uh, being uh, somebody who is growing up watching rugby league, of course I like a spiteful encounter. Uh, it was, I thought it was uh, entertaining along the way, but it got, it got so wildly out of hand, and I can't, I can't believe that both those teams were treating that as a, a game that was to stay alive for uh, a place in the NRL Grand Final. So uh, to me, I was very surprised by uh, the approach of both teams, and I would be surprised if we see a game like that in a playoff situation again anytime soon. It's, I think both coaches would have uh, wanted to ream their players for that behaviour. But uh, it's not, not smart enough, uh, and I, I, I will, I'll watch it. Don't worry. I'll, I'll sit down and watch uh, guys get uh, angry with each other and, and try to push it on. But I, I think that everybody took it too far. And it just got completely out of hand. It shows that a rivalry can sometimes eclipse um, your, 
ambitions and um, for a season, a whole a whole season, and you're focusing on the fact that you hate the other team that much. Eels Raiders, how do you see that one going, Sam? I, the Raiders, I heard someone make this reference, and I really like it. The Raiders are playing with house money. That right now, that they are a, a team that doesn't have anything to lose. You know, they they battled their way into the playoffs in a spot that was essentially given to them because the Broncos couldn't handle the jandal. And now they're playing great footy after beating uh, the Storm. Uh, I, I, they've got that, that irresistible feel about them, but I don't think that the Eels are a team... Uh, that's going to bounce out in consecutive weeks because they've been they've been too good. If they put on a second uh, performance like the second half uh, they did in week one against the Panthers, then they're in real trouble. But they just need to get back to their confidence uh, and uh, get ready for an aerial bombardment because uh, that's the way to break down the eels, as the Panthers showed. So I, I I'll take the eels, but it's not with any confidence. And I really hope the Raiders get up because I love a final series uh, underdog and, and fairy tale like that. And uh, just finally, before we take a, a quick news break, uh, we'd better have a crack at the other one too, uh, Sam, and that, of course, is the Rabbitohs and the Sharkies. Yeah, look, two te- listen, I, I, feel, I feel that they're, uh, they're teams that are uh, consistent and they've got drive. The Sharks came so close last week, and I feel that the uh, that game we've already mentioned from the Bunnies might have taken uh, something out of them. So I'll go with the Sharks because they came so close uh, against the Cows, and I don't think their performance was was poor by any stretch. So uh, they 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 have that uh, that grit in them to be able to stay in a contest and not not lose focus. Whereas I haven't seen that as much from the Bunnies. So I'll take the Sharkies. Okay, it is uh, coming up to uh, ten thirty. We'll have a short news break with. Araha, when we come back, uh, Aidan McLaughlin, we're going to ask you about Roger Federer announcing his retirement at the age of 41. Where does he rate in terms of tennis and overall sporting quality around the world? It is uh, time for the news. Here's Araha. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Sam Ackerman with us this morning, as is uh, Aidan McLaughlin. And Aidan, yes, uh, Roger Federer uh, announcing that uh, that's it for him at uh, the ripe old age of 41, where does the Fed sit for you? My favourite player of all time, Smithy. Um, you know, I, I could watch Federer for hours upon hours upon hours. If you gave me a choice of who I would watch play in the men's game, it would be Federer every time. Will he be regarded as the, the greatest of all time? Well, in recent years, Nadal and Djokovic have both gone past him. Uh, Federer has won 20 Grand Slam titles, and they've just snuck past him in the last couple of years. So statistically, maybe he's not the GOAT, but I think that the style of tennis he played, um, he has a career grand slam. Uh, for me, he is my favourite player of all time, without a doubt. Uh, perhaps one aspect of his career that people will, will look back on is the fact that Nadal was so dominant over him on clay. Uh, Federer reached five French Open finals. Nadal beat him in four. And the one that uh, Federer actually won in 2009, Nadal was knocked out in the fourth round. So he never quite got over him at the French Open. But apart from that, a wonderful, wonderful career. Sam, for you? Uh, listen, I, I think that uh, we goes is obviously the terms thrown around so easily, and it's always uh, the, the latest guy to retire uh, gets a really good crack at being given um, that title. And obviously... Uh, a really great point by Aiden regarding the uh, the number of um, slams won, and that is a massive indicator in, in your legacy for sure. Uh, but what I, I consider um, 
better to be you know, in a very small echelon of of athletes who had completely changed the game or became the uh, the person who put this sport on the back and lifted it up. Tennis wasn't a small sport by any means when he took over, but for the generation that has uh, followed through this era, Roger Federer set that up, and there is uh, you know, he is to this sport what uh, what Tiger Woods is to golf, um, and you don't necessarily had to gauge Tiger's greatness on whether he reached a certain milestone of uh, of Grand Slams. So I do the same by um, I do the same by uh, Roger Federer. Like, should we say that All Blacks that won two World Cups are better than an All Black that won one World Cup, or that uh, didn't win a World Cup at all? Is that is that the method of greatness? It's not, and, and certainly an individual sport has a slight difference to it. But uh, his dominance for such a long period of time, the class he showed throughout, and you know, uh, are Nadal and Djokovic, and you can throw in the likes of the Andy Murrays and those who've come to try and join the big three for a long time, are they as good without that Roger Federer to you know, benchmark chase along the way? Who knows? So I, I put him right at the top of the tree of, of the greatest athletes of all time. Yeah, so do I. Uh, and I take Aidan's point as well. I could sit and watch Roger Federer's class, uh, his time, his shot making um, and his manner uh, all day without uh, too much problem whatsoever. Uh, Aidan, um, apparently around about now, um, some new central contact, uh, contracts are being uh, announced by New Zealand Cricket. Um, and this is, of course, because Bolt's uh, taken, he, he's not longer got one, the Gronholm's no longer got one, so they've got a, a couple to hand out. What do you know about that? Yeah, since we've been on the, the phone to actually, Smithy, uh, New Zealand Cricket have released a statement saying that Blair Tickner of Central Districts and Finn Allen of Wellington have actually been uh, have accepted those central contracts that were vacated by Bolton to Grand Home. Uh, New Zealand Cricket have also confirmed in their statement that Jimmy Neesham was actually offered one of the two contracts, but he turned it down. Uh, just, and to quote, on the basis of pre-arranged uh, agreements that he had already struck with overseas domestic leagues. So Neesham offered one, didn't take it. Uh, Tickner and Allen are the two that take them. Um, I'm not particularly surprised uh, at the two that have them. Uh, Tickner's been in and around the all three formats uh, for the last couple of years. He was uh, He's played one-day international cricket. He played T20 cricket for, for the Black Caps, and he has been in the, the wider squad for the Test matches. And, of course, Finn Allen, we know what an exciting talent he is. Um, I think he's played eight one-day one internationals and 13 T20s. So... So, yeah, obviously uh, changes afoot and, um, yeah, exciting times for those two players. Yep, OK, thanks for confirming that. That's uh, news to me, but uh, good news indeed. I like Van Allen, I really do. Um, um, I like Tickner as well. He's got uh, the attributes, attributes to be a good fast bowler. He's got the height, he's got the bounce. I like him. Um, but Van Allen, yes, in terms of white ball cricket, fully deserves to be uh, on their books full time. Um, right, uh, Sam Ackerman. Uh, yesterday, Michael Maguire named his wider Kiwi squad for the upcoming Rugby League World Cup. Our very own Tony Kemp says the Kiwis should be favourites. Uh, have you had a chance to run your finger across this 34-man squad? What do you make of it? And are we favourites? Uh, uh, no, not favourites. Uh, but certainly uh, uh, there's zero excuses for not being able to win with the squad they have. But Australia are the favourites. Australia are um, uh, a, a team that will be expected to go there and win. There's no doubt that they'll wear that mantle. But New Zealand... Uh, and look, Kempe can call them favourites, uh, and they should be uh, they should be considered right up there. There's no way this Kiwis team can ride an underdog tag uh, into a tournament with the, the calibre they've got. But 
I don't think they. I don't think they need that um, that title. I think the uh, so it's a 24 man squad that they used for the uh, the end of uh, so the last test of mid season against uh, Tonga before they whittled it down, plus another 10. And quite frankly, I find it. I, I'd be surprised if many from the external 10, which includes the likes of Sean Johnson, uh, will find their way into what is this 24. It's it's really injury dependent now. There's still quite a few players active um, in the NRL playoffs which is uh, wonderful to have them get that kind of uh, big game experience going into it so injury is a concern like, you know, hopefully Joey Marno is going to be uh, fine and he's obviously a walk up start uh, bloody anywhere he wants to be in that field obviously fullback centre you know, he could probably play hooker if he wants to uh, he, can, he can do anything but there's a lot of great class coming through like uh, Sebastian Chris uh, from the Canberra Raiders has been named in this wider squad just always good to keep in mind with rugby league as well because you're named in the squad, it doesn't mean you're going to play for New Zealand. A lot of these players may be named in several squads uh, with the Island Nations, and uh, then there's the awkward situation when they have to make a call who they're in or out for. So nothing is uh, in concrete yet, but it's a good-looking squad. The depth across all positions uh, is there. We spoke about it uh, about at the halfway stage of this year. The depth in the halves is unlike anything we have ever seen in New Zealand, and there have been some good halves uh, and some good options over the years at different times. But the depth is uh, unreal. Uh, Sean Johnson um, would be, in many of the, uh, the areas, even in the form he's been in this year, would be in that World Cup squad, no question. I don't think there's room for him on current form, and that says a lot about what they've got to work with. OK, Aidan McLaughlin. Uh, the Silver Ferns are due to play the Sunshine Girls from Jamaica um, over the weekend, but things are uh, on hold. There's a few delays involved because of passport issues, passport issues on delaying their arrival. I, I can't quite get my, my head around that. Surely that should be cleaned up. Well, you'd think so. I think my understanding is that uh, the Jamaican squad were scheduled to arrive in New Zealand today um, and the first game is in was supposed to be in Hamilton tomorrow night. Uh, but they they didn't get their part. They haven't got their passports back, as far as we know. So that was yesterday's news. Um, the passports were due back from Washington, so the the visas were issued, and then they're waiting for their passports to come back from Washington, and the passports simply haven't arrived, so they can't travel. So, as far as we're aware, there's going to be a further update today uh, to see if they've actually got their passports and they they can get here. But as things stand, well, we've already lost. You know, one game's been pushed back. Is the whole series going to be cancelled? It's a real mucky thing to have happened so late in the day. You know, surely this should have been flagged a week or two ago, that there was a potential issue, there was a potential delay. It just seems very, very late in the piece. It does, actually. It's quite weird. Um, Sam, just just getting back to uh, the rugby league, uh, does anyone beat the Panthers? Uh, I think the Cowboys are uh, capable. I think that um, if the Eels can find their way through the grand final, uh, they've been there, they've, you know, they've been there against the Cowboys Panthers and beat them a couple of times this year, so they won't. Their confidence won't be uh, slammed against them. Uh, and the, you know, the Raiders, if they can keep up a resistible form, it, it's hard to say. There's a lot of great teams that I would not be back at. The Panthers right now are what Melbourne Storm have been going into finals for uh, the best part of a decade. We go, I can't, I can't tip against them. What, what have they given me to make me think that they're not capable of doing it? Their defence has won them a premiership last year, and it's it's still looking strong as hell. And their their attack has improved. 
uh, out of sight. They scored uh, more points in the uh, in the win over the Eels than uh, they have in a finals game since 1990, and pretty much scored a half of what they scored collaboratively over the final series last year when they went on to win the grand final. So uh, they're a, f- a well-balanced side. They're back to full full pace, uh, and they know what to do at this arena. So I won't, I won't back against them, Smithy. They are a great side. Okay, Sammy Ackerman, thank you very much for your time this morning and joined your thoughts. And to you too, uh, Ada McLaughlin, thanks for the update too on those uh, central cricket uh, contracts. Been uh, cool talking to you. Have a great weekend, fellas. Uh, we'll be back on Monday with another panel. It's uh, coming up to 10.42 here on SENZ. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. that what is that that is it like a start to a national anthem or something that is smithy that is the irish national anthem if you're wondering why the heck are we playing that here the night after an all blacks test well this is really cool smithy a bit of an international mailbag going on here we got a message from ireland uh of course if you're overseas you can't really text into us, but this is really cool. Came via our Facebook page, SCNZ Radio. Hi, Smithy. I live in Ireland, so I can't text in, but listen to the Smithy podcast every day. Can I ask, what has happened to Will Young being involved in the ODI squad? Why has he been dropped all of a sudden? He scored 200s against the Netherlands. Granted, he had a shocking series against Ireland, but none of our top order did particularly well in that series from memory. It seems strange that he wasn't included in that squad given the last time he played against Australia for New Zealand A. He scored a lot of runs as well, including 190. Thanks from Chad Quinney. Chad Quinney. Thank you very much, Chad. Um, Right, I'll try to do my best to answer this without any uh, pre-knowledge of your question. Uh, Short answer is, um, I'm not not quite sure actually. I know for a fact here that um, I think Will Young has been sort of earmarked as a red ball cricketer. Uh, In other words, they want him to focus in on being a genuine top order player uh, for the Black Caps in that regard. Um, and maybe they think that that uh, is a distraction and they've got better bets in terms of the, the, uh, the white ball cricket. Uh, I wouldn't regard Will Young as being a dynamic T20 type player. Uh, I know he probably does very well when he plays for the Central Stags at a different level. But I'm thinking to myself, um, is he better than Finn Allen, a better prospect than Finn Allen? Is he more dynamic than Phillips? Um, even Martin Guptill at, at the moment still, of course. Uh, Devin Conway at the top. So I really don't see Will Young in the top four for our T20 prospects going ahead. In terms of our one-day international side, um, I think there's a possibility when uh, Martin Guptill flags it that uh, Will Young will have an opportunity at the top of the order there. Uh, but, I, I, look, I, I, I'm a big fan. I am a big fan of, of uh, Will Young. I like his technique. I, I just like the way he looks at the crease. Uh, I like the way that uh, he seems to have a, a lot of time and... Uh, uh, and has got the ability to bat for long periods of time. So short answer, don't think he's quite as dynamic as we're looking for in terms of one day and, and T20 cricket at this present point in time. Not saying that he won't be. His focus should be on red ball cricket. I think they've got it right there. Hope nice. that answers it. Nice. Well, okay. we will clip that off and we'll send it off to him. Thanks for that, Smithy. I, I talked during the um, during the, the panel uh, about this Roger Federer decision. Now, this is one, I mean... We've got so much going on with a Thursday night all-black test match and the way it ended, whatever. Normally, if someone like Roger Federer would announce his retirement, the whole world would stop still and say, 
bow down and say thank you, uh, Rods, for what you've done, the tennis. But it's sort of uh, it's been clouded over by what we've uh, seen in the last 24 hours regarding New Zealand sport. So uh, I think it's I think we can we just take a bit of time now, Logan, just just to just to reflect on Roger Federer and and what he said um, in his statement when he decided to retire. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, the 41 year one year old who has won 20 Grand Slam singles titles. And, of course, he redefined the sport with his artistry and grace. He broke the news to tennis fans across the world that has long been feared. And this is part of what he had to say. To my tennis family and beyond, of all the gifts that tennis has given me over the years, the greatest, without a doubt, has been the people I've met along the way. My friends, my competitors and most of all the fans who give the sport its life. Today, I want to share some news with all of you. As many of you know, the past three years have presented me with challenges in the form of injuries and surgeries. I've worked hard to return to full competitive form, but I also know my body's capacities and limits and its message to me lately has been clear. I am 41 years old. I've played more than 1,500 matches over 24 years. Tennis has treated me more generously than I ever would have dreamt and now I must recognize when it is time to end my competitive career. The Labour Cup next week in London will be my final ATP event. I will play more tennis in the future, of course, but just not in Grand Slams or on the Tour. This is a bittersweet decision because I will miss everything the Tour has given me. But at the same time, there is so much to celebrate. I consider myself one of the most fortunate people on earth. I was given a special talent to play tennis, and I did it at a level that I never imagined for much longer than I ever thought possible. When my love of tennis started, I was a ball kid in my hometown of Basel. I used to watch the players with a sense of wonder. They were like giants to me, and I began to dream. My dreams led me to work harder, and I started to believe in myself. Some success brought me confidence, and I was on my way to the most amazing journey that has led to this day. So I want to thank you all from the bottom of my heart to everyone around the world who has helped make the dreams of a young Swiss ball kid come true. Finally... To the game of tennis, I love you and will never leave you. Wow. And that how classy. And does that not and just that short clip sum up Roger Federer and what he has meant to tennis and his honesty on what tennis has meant to him. I could listen to that over and over again because it just sums up the brilliance of one of the great sportsmen, not just tennis players, the great sportsman of all time. It is ten fifty two here on SNZ. And it's time to uh, catch up with uh, Pip Morris from the TAB. Of course, a busy weekend of racing. And uh, from a Greyhound perspective, uh, that starts today with a doubleheader at Palmerston North and Addington. Pip, good morning to you. Good morning to you too, Smithy. Yeah, really looking forward to both of the meetings. And for Palmerston North, I think race in the 10 to 5, Allegro Jimmy, she downgrades, willing to forgive last start. She was pushed on the rail a little bit. And she's at $5. I think she's really nice shopping. As far as racing goes, tomorrow, bonus back blitz across the four main meetings, Randwick, Caulfield, New Plymouth and Rickerton. And I can tell you the best back there at New Plymouth is Fleming. $10,000 bet on at one Asian. Just quickly, too, Smithy, on the sports side of things, NPC, there's been $1,000 on Bay of Plenty, match result at $1.16. $800 on Taranaki, match result at one twenty. And as far as the Eels and the Raiders game goes, Eels, there was 1.6k put on them at head to head at 149. The Raiders, 1 to 20 at 950. We've got power plays available across all of those games and that same game multi bonus back. 
three legs or more, you miss by one leg, you can get a bonus back. And I didn't mind the Raiders starting with eight and a half points there, Smithy. Micah Sivo to get over the line and Isaiah, Isaiah Papali'i. That was around $11, I believe, that same game multi. So there's some nice little options there on that, that game. Pip Morris, as always, thanks very much for your uh, work during the week on our behalf. And uh, you have a great weekend watching sport and um, particularly uh, your passion, the Greyhounds as well. So thank you very much, uh, Pip. Uh, and uh, honestly, uh, we'll be talking league after the yeah we'll be talking league after the break as well. Um, and we'll be talking to uh, Greg Alexander, of course, Brandy, the great Brandy Alexander, uh, who is just finishing his show in Sydney. He has a morning show uh, on SCN with uh, Andrew Voss. So Vossy and Brandy in the mornings. We get Brandy after uh, eleven o'clock, uh, which will be absolutely fantastic. We'll talk about uh, the games coming up this weekend. Uh, maybe touch on uh, the Kiwis and uh, touch on uh, what Mel Meninga might come up with too in terms of uh, the Aussie squad looking forward to the World Cup, which is not too far away. Coming up right now, though, it's the news with Araha. Fourteen seventy-six AM in Auckland. This is SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, it's rugby league time this weekend, and if week two of the NRL finals is uh, plenty to live up to, if this week's uh, games are to deliver the same level of intensity and drama that we saw back in week one, it uh, all begins tonight with uh, the Eels taking on the Raiders, uh, the winner booking a date with uh, the Cowboys for a shot at the grand final, then it concludes uh, tomorrow with the Sharks taking on the Rabbitohs. The winner then faces the daunting task of battling minor premiers and defending NRL champions Penrith next week. Fresh from uh, doing his breakfast show on SCN 1170 with Andrew Voss is the legendary Greg Alexander who has made some time available to us this morning. Uh, We are grateful for that. Uh, Greg, good morning to you. Uh, I've got to begin by asking you, uh, and you called the game last week with Vossi and Blocker Roach, uh, the game between the Rabbitohs and the Roosters. Could you believe what you were seeing? No, gee, you couldn't look away, Ian. Uh, and good morning to you and, and to New Zealand. But um, I, I enjoyed it. I, I, I thought it was a, a real throwback where sides, they, had, they, they weren't thinking about where they were going, like in terms of uh, do we get to the prelim final? What about the grand final? It was just, it was, it was sudden death footy at its best. A couple of players went, a little bit overboard, but I, I, I guess, you know, I think the referees and, and the, the bunker might have gone a little bit overboard as well. We probably probably could have seen a few sin binnings, but not as many as we saw. I loved it, but it was, um, you know, it was two teams going at it, uh, physical, had some skill. It was a bit stop-start, but again, uh, and you mentioned how good the first week of the finals was, Ian. Um, the Raiders were outsiders. They got up. Uh, the Bunnies were outsiders. Uh, they beat the Roosters. And the Cowboys were outsiders to the Sharks in terms of the betting. Uh, the Panthers were the only favourites that got up over the weekend. And I find this weekend just as tough to pick. Do you think the judiciary handled uh, the um, falling out well? It was only really uh, Tom Burgess that copped uh, any sort of punishment as such? Uh, yes. Well, well, J- Jared Weir Hargreaves has got you know some time to spend out of the game, but... Don't know when he's going to serve it. Uh, 
Tom Burgess's shot was the one that did the damage. You know, I, I don't think anyone else really deserved a copper suspension. So uh, Tom Burgess missing for South this weekend is a blow too. Burgess has been very good since he returned uh, from a suspension and an injury. Um, so they'll miss him, uh, and it makes their, their job against the Sharks just a little bit tougher. But I, I, th- I think overall, Ian, the, the judiciary, the you know, it was handled well. I, I don't think any other charges needed to come out of it. OK, let's uh, look at these two matchups, beginning with the, the one tonight. Uh, Greg, we've got uh, the Eels against the Raiders on our book uh, over here. Eels a, a buck 49, the Raiders 255. So the Eels quite confidently favourites here. How do you read it? Yeah, and they play at home, so a sold-out Combank Stadium, and the fact that Mitch Moses uh, has been cleared to play, that's another thing that's been hanging over Parramatta, Ian. Um, and at their best, uh, the Eels, I, I think, have have too much class right across the field for the Raiders, but uh, that's if they're at their best. Uh, and I, I would say that the Eels... Someone asked me a couple of days ago, they said, what do you think about the match? And I said, well... Sort of offhand, I said, well, you know, the Eels have been good at bouncing back this year. And it wasn't until I I had a look at their season how good they have been at bouncing back from a loss. They mightn't have won too many games in a row this year. And I think they're, they're, the most is three. They've won three games in a row, which for a side to finish uh, where they did in the top four, um, that's, not, that's not, you know, they haven't been on many winning runs this year. But what they've been good at is bouncing back. So nine times this year they've lost and they've won games the following week. And in those games that they've won, they've beaten the Storm. They've beaten the Panthers twice. So the two wins that they had against Penrith were off the back of losses. Uh, They've also beaten the Roosters, coming off the back of a loss. So they lost 27-8 to the Panthers in week one of the finals. Unless their confidence was completely shattered, and I don't think it was because... The score really wasn't a reflection of how close the game was. Penrith scored a few late tries uh, to to make the score look bigger and make their performance look probably more dominant than it was, but the Eels went toe-to-toe with them for 50 minutes. Um, I think that holds the Eels in good stead, but the Raiders are a, they're a side that have gone on a roll. Momentum's important. They've won eight of their last nine. Um, they won last week in a game that they weren't expected to win, but they won it. Um, Tarpani, Papali'i, Hudson Young, Harawira Naira, their forwards are in great touch, and they've got Jack Whiten at 5'8". So, Ian, I'm going to tip the Eels, but certainly won't be surprised if the Raiders continue this this winning form and their, uh, their forwards do the job. Um, but it, it's going to be a great game, really well. Tactic, tactically too, Greg, uh, just w- I watched the Eels game uh, last week against the Panthers and the back three seemed to have a hell of a lot of trouble at times with Nathan Cleary's kicks, to be honest, the shape of his kicks. They, 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 they put themselves under a lot of pressure there. Well, they did. Look, and Nathan's kicking game was first class. That, you know, Nathan returned after five weeks on the sideline and normally your touch is out in terms of, you know, same, on the golf course, you know, you're putting mm. and you're chipping are the first things to, to fall by the wayside when you're not doing it all the time. Um, Nathan, the fact that he wasn't injured um, uh, in his five weeks off certainly helped him, but his kicking and the range of kicks that he put up had the Eels under all sorts of pressure. And there was some blank looks when 
a couple of times those high balls went up from Nathan and you saw Gutherson and, and Wanga Blake look at each other wondering who was going to take the ball. So there was a little bit of confusion. They need to be uh, more assertive at the back. Uh, but I, I would think that the fact that Wanga um, came under that pressure against the Panthers, that the Eels, uh, the Raiders would do the same thing. And uh, that's what I'd be doing. You know, Jack Whiten's got a huge left boot on him. So I can see Jack Whiten throwing up some some curly ones to the back three to see to certainly test them out. But they didn't handle it well last week, and I'm I'm assuming that the, the Raiders go in with the same tactic. The Pockies over here are finding a little harder to split the Sharks and the Rabbitohs. At this point, Rabbitohs just the favourites at a, a buck eighty three. The Sharks are a dollar ninety two now. Uh, they were a bit banged up, of course, the Sharks after last week. Uh, but Craig Fitzgibbon has named the same 17. What are you thinking about this one? Uh, yeah, well, if the, the, the bookies are finding it hard to split, and I am too. Um, I, I'm, I'm tipping South, and I've been tipping South all week. As I said, Burgess is a blow, but I, I something... And they played each other not that long ago, round 20, and it was a golden point win to the Sharks. Uh, but very quiet games from Latrell and Cody that night, so... There was a lot of upside in South Sydney's performance from the last one that we saw against the Sharks. And I've, I've just got to think that, um, you know, Cameron Murray, we saw what a difference he makes to the team after the Roosters beat them in the final regular season game, but then couldn't handle them last week. Um, Burgess, a blow, but still the forward pack to get the job done. And I just think with Latrell and Cody, you've got, you've got big game match winners and, that was on show last week against the Roosters. Uh, Sharks were a little unlucky not to get the Cowboys last week, and a, a sin binning of Connor Tracy certainly hurt them in the last 10 minutes, and it allowed the, the Cowboys, while the Sharks looked, their eight-point lead was looking like it was going to be enough, Ian, but uh, mm. in the end they got run down and took 93 minutes for the Cowboys to get them, but they, they did finally get them. So this one, the betting is even. My thoughts on it are, are pretty even, but having to pick someone... I go, I go with Latrell and Cody as uh, match winners in this one and, and the difference between the sides. It was interesting actually watching Latrell Mitchell last week. Uh, you know, it was, it was about his skill, of course, and his reading of the game, but the, there seemed to be a, a lot of emotion being up against uh, the Roosters as such. That probably won't be with him uh, over this weekend, the same level of that kind of emotion. Probably not, no. You know, and... And Latrell copped a bit in the, the final regular season game. So there was a lot of chat about it and the fact that it was back at Allianz Stadium again. And they are bitter rivals, these two. Like the, 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 and, and I'd forgotten just how, just how much feeling there is in there um, until, you know, working on radio this year with Vossi and, you know, doing the breakfast show with him and just the bitterness between... The fans, the the, the rivals, it, it, it is one of the great rivalries in, in Australian sport, the, the South's Roosters rivalry. So there was a lot of emotion surrounding both games. The, the last regular season game, then they met each other the following week um, in, in the semi-final last week. But yeah, there won't be that sort of focus this week. And I just... I just wonder. I think that might free Latrell up a bit. I, I think, mm. and I think he's going to cause the Sharks some some problems. That doesn't mean that the Sharks can't win it. You know, I'm I'm leaning towards South Sydney, but again, n- absolutely no surprise with the Sharks if they do get up off the back of Nico Hines 
Uh, and he was very good for them last week against the Cowboys. Created enough opportunities, I thought, to get the Sharks a win, but they were run down. Uh, so a very close one again. Okay, uh, the two teams that lie in wait, of course, uh, next weekend can put their feet up this week, uh, if that's possible. Of course, the Panthers and the Cowboys. Uh, now that Cleary's back uh, at the helm, do you see the Panthers as out-and-out favourites, Greg? Well, they've shortened a lot over here, and I, I think people's... I, I, I think the performance against Parramatta put Penrith back to where um, people thought they were mid-season. Uh, because it, it had been a, such a disrupted final six weeks of the regular season, they were playing without Jerome Luai, they were playing out without Nathan Cleary, uh, see, and, and, and Ivan rested the whole team uh, for the final regular season game against the Cowboys up there. I guess everyone was a little bit cautious about their support of Penrith and you know how strong it had been through the year when Penrith, everyone was saying, well, it's Penrith to lose. For those, for the players to be out and rested and to be a little unsure about whether they'd come back as good as they were, um, I guess that changed after the Eels win last Friday night when they beat the Eels 27-8 to because many thought that the Eels were there to get them. Because Penrith might have been a bit rusty with players resting and players injured and players suspended uh, and their, the rhythm not being there for Penrith, I think many after the Eels, you know, had beaten Penrith. They were the end, beaten Penrith twice in the year. The fact that Penrith mm. were able to beat them uh, by that scoreline, all of a sudden everything's changed back towards Penrith and everyone's saying it's theirs to lose. And I, they're very short to win the comp. Uh, and I guess that's that's warranted. Their performance against Parramatta has, has got them sitting as red-hot favourites. But the consistency and and everything they've shown through the year, you know, it still all boils down to an 80-minute performance, Ian. And so you're not home until you're home. Which one are you on uh, this weekend, or are you on both of them, Greg? Uh, yeah, look, I, I, I think I, I think the Eels go through to, to play the Cowboys, and I think South yeah. will go through to, to play the Panthers in the prelim final. Um, that will be a, a great game, the Panthers-Bunnies uh, game. Uh, replay of last year's grand final and then um, the Cowboys will meet if my predictions are correct they'll meet the the Eels up there which makes it hard for the Eels but not saying the Eels can't get it done you know if if the if the Eels get through the Raiders they then go to Townsville to play the Cowboys you know you'd be a silly person to write off the Eels. Greg, uh, in terms of commentary this weekend, uh, you and Vossi and uh, and Blocker, which game are you on both games or are you just on one? Uh, yeah, I'm, look, I'm I'm working with Vossi tonight. Uh, we're doing the uh, the Eels Raiders game, and then I'm working with Warren Smith tomorrow night. And uh, wow, uh, Warren, myself, and Blocker are calling the South Sharks game on the Saturday night. Fantastic. Uh, just before we let you go, um, yesterday Michael Maguire, of course, the Kiwi coach, named the 34-man wider squad for the Rugby League World Cup, which has got a lot of people over this side of the Tasman quite excited when you see the depth of talent uh, across oh, yeah. the board there. Um, Mel Meninga's kangaroo squad for the World Cup that will uh, obviously be named very shortly as well. Are you expecting full availability there? Will there be any defections that you know of? And, and how do you rate this far out the World Cup prospects of both those sides, Australia and New Zealand? Oh, well, they're, they're the favourites, Ian. You know, it, and when you look at the, the Kiwis and what 
what sort of side they can field. It's it's you know, and we, we actually spoke about it this morning, um, Vossi and I, about international football, and uh, you know, we're talking about the Bledisloe and the fact that there's only two Bledisloe games, and we said, well, imagine if there was a three-game series every year between the the Kangaroos and the Kiwis in rugby league, like that that mm-hmm. could become as big as Origin because. There is a split hair between the sides. Um, you know, they're both chock full of superstars. Um, you know, maybe we can make that happen because, you know, just looking at the Kiwis lineup and and knowing what sort of side the Australians will be able to um, to to put up through Malmeninga. Oh, oh, gee, I find that I I think that that is something that we should look at uh, at a you know a fair income three-game test series every year against the Kiwis. It would be great. It, it would be great, and it would be... It, it's almost origin-like. Greg Alexander, as always, uh, an absolute pleasure talking to you and getting your thoughts and predictions on this weekend. Uh, we'll be listening to both your calls over the weekend. All the best for them, and uh, thanks so much for your time, mate. Really appreciate it. Good on you, Smitty. Good to talk, mate. Yeah, cheers. Uh, Randy Alexander there, um, and his thoughts on... Uh, the NRL action and uh, loved his reflection too on last week and like a lot of uh, older school guys uh, and I'm one of them in, in terms of my age, don't know a lot about the rugby league as such but I didn't mind it, I thought it was great, uh, a little bit of the old biff and you know uh, a few sin binnings, a few HIAs and at the end of the day they'll be back at it tomorrow so it's fantastic. 11.19 here on SENZ, we might uh, pop into the greyhound industry very shortly. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Right, uh, every week um, on a Friday we take a, a look in depth at uh, the greyhound racing industry and we talk to uh, personalities uh, within there and this, this morning we're speaking to Steve Evans uh, who's a trainer out of uh, Christchurch as well in uh, partnership with his wife Bonnie and of course his son Riley who have already had on the show. Steve, good morning to you. Yeah, good morning to you. How are you? Uh, Steve, we know how Riley got into it because he got the bug off uh, you and your wife Bonnie, but of course, uh, how did you get into it uh, those years ago? I was um, probably 10 or 12 years back now. Um, used to always train a few trotters for a bit of a bit of a hobby and worked in the industry of the trotters for a long time and uh, made of mine, trained a few greyhounds and sort of suggested I get one for a bit of a hobby and um, yeah, so we got one and one ended up being two and two was five and five was 50 and then you just keep going. So yeah, no, we've um, sort of grown a lot in the last few years. Would you have a, if you look back at your time in the harness racing industry, how would you compare it to say your time in, um, within the, the, the greyhound racing industry? Is, it a, is the greyhound a, a more favoured option for you after experiencing both? Uh, definitely, definitely. I've um, found um, like you put your dog in the box and, and all sorts of things and not the best dog wins every time. So with the horses, you sort of got three or four minutes to, to get round and the, the ones with a bit of bad luck still can get round and beat you. But the dogs, you sort of put them in the boxes and, and you can be, it's a lot easier. We used to find it a lot easier to compete with the better trainers where the horses, it was always a, a struggle to beat those real top line trainers. But the dogs sort of, um, yeah, they could make your own luck. We've, we've won a few big, uh, well, one, one big race we won uh, with a nice dog called Gold Viper. He was 
He was a $44 shot, but he jumped to the lead and everything else met trouble when he didn't. So that doesn't sort of happen in the harness. The best ones sort of win most of the time. So. <laughs> I've often wondered, Steve, uh, you train a, a greyhound to the minute, you think it's up for a, a terrific performance, and then you see the barrier drawer and your heart sinks, you're in a squeeze box or whatever. Uh, how, do you, how do you feel about barrier draws a, as such, and you know, uh, your preference to outside, inside, etc.? Oh, it, it really depends on the dog. Um, you get a dog that likes the rails or it likes wide, it, just, it can all depend on the dog and where you draw, but um, there's a there's probably a lot more a lot of luck in greyhound racing like if you can if you can jump to the lead and and I like they always say box speed is golden races and it doesn't matter where where a good dog draws if it's got good box speed it can draw one or five or eight and and it can still it can still win so they can win from anywhere but yeah it, all, it, it is very relevant to the dog and where it likes to race on the track so. Uh, do dogs naturally like the rail, or do they naturally like space out wide? I mean, ha, ha, can you train that? Um, no, you, you sort of they sort of get into a habit very, very early in their careers, like whether they're going to be a railer or a wide runner. And and if you get a dog in its first few starts as a wide runner, it's um, they tend to be a bit of a wide runner all their life. So it's um, yeah, they just get into a habit a, a habit from very, very early on, and it's. It, it's hard to make a, a wide runner go to the rail. It's just, it's just what they want to do, and it's where they they like to race and find a bit of space. You spoke before uh, about the the best performance, uh, the best performing dog you've had. But uh, you race uh, and Riley, of course, too. Um, anything with Gold Star attached to it is yours. How did Gold Star come about? Yeah, many years ago, my um, granddad um, bred trotters, and he he sold um, he sold a mare to um, a fellow I worked for for a long time and a lot of respect for, uh, Alan Georgeson. And um, he was very good with the trotters. And um, one of Granddad's breed was called um, Three Gold Stars. And um, we bought that mare and we bred out of her, bought her off Alan that was coming sort of back into our family then. And, um, yeah, her, her foals were all called Gold Star. Um, and then we sort of the um, last one was a nice trotter we had called Gold Star Invasion that we won a lot of money with and sold to Australia and he uh, he was the last of them and sort of started breeding trot, uh, dogs at the same time so we sort of carried on the Gold Star so and it sort of just stuck. You stepped uh, back a wee bit from it and let uh, Riley take uh, over much of the work though but uh, Steve uh, how how much are you still involved with it hands on in that respect? Oh, you know, we're still here every day. Um, um, we we sort of Riley. I, I let Riley take over. I think um, the good opportunities for a young fella to sort of put his hand up, and he's proven we've just been away to Australia for ten days holiday, and the dogs just continued like we're here. So a lot of people say um, Riley's been gifted, and and we do the work behind the scenes, but it's not really the case. We sort of uh, took a back step, and and he does a fair amount of the work, and. And, um, yeah, we're sort of involved in the day-to-day running. Like they'll head off to the races in another hour or two for racing tonight. And I sort of stay home and I'll make sure the paddocks are mowed and feed the dogs and things like that. So um, aside of the training side of things, it really is a family operation. We all work in together. And we've got a couple of good staff and Zancy and Josh that um, that are here every day or most of the time. And and we've got a good unit going here.
Steve, just before we uh, let you go, uh, racing today, as you just mentioned, or coming up shortly, um, over the next few days, uh, anything uh, with the Gold Star uh, label that attached that we should look at? Oh, yeah, we've got a, got a pretty pretty big team. I think we've got 13 or 14 tonight. So um, got a couple of new ones. Um, Gold Star Randy, he does a few things wrong, but I think he'll make the grade one day. Um, Gold Star Ricky just got back a grade. He could be hard to beat tonight. Um, and Gold Star Tommy, he's... Um, He's drawn good tonight in the eight. He's probably uh, he's probably a big chance of going close tonight. Steve Evans, uh, fantastic having a quick chat to you and finding out more about your background uh, in the industry. Um, and uh, we thank you for your time and good luck uh, with those uh, starters coming up uh, in the next few days. Thank you. Good. Thank you very much. Yeah, cheers. Uh, Steve Evans there, um, of course, uh, married to Bonnie and uh, son Riley. Uh, that is the, the Evans clan and uh, their Kennel, of course, are very successful in there. Look out for those gold star runners. Uh, they win and uh, place quite often, I think it's fair to say. Right, uh, in terms of winning, you have the opportunity, of course, being uh, Friday at 11.30, or any day at 11.30, really. Yeah, you can dial 0800 150811 and you can take part in Stump Smithy. Uh, we've got 50 bucks uh, for the TAB vouchers uh, lined up for you. Uh, that you can spend over the weekend. Brian will be on the end of the phone when you ring, and uh, Logan Swinkles will be the quiz master again this morning. It is 11.32 here on SENZ, and it's time for Aroha and the news. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. And what a morning it has been on SNZ Mornings with Ian Smith. So many calls, so many texts, Smithy. We don't have enough time in the day after what was... Probably the most insane game of rugby I've seen in a long time, to be fair. Yeah, it did have everything. There's no doubt about it. Um, the boys uh, who reviewed it after the game, uh, the first thing Justin Marshall said was, wow, that game had absolutely everything, including <laughs> uh, fireworks. And Craig has sent in a text too. Uh, Craig in Melbourne, uh, uh, fireworks smoking in an enclosed stadium was intense. No smoking. Had an elderly guy vomiting after 30 minutes. Uh, the uh, Australia Rugby Union stuffed that up. Refs may decide who wins the World Cup. That's Craig. Pretty blank and a blunt sort of a text there. Yep. That was dumb. That was definitely dumb. But what not? what isn't dumb is that today one of our listeners could win a $50 TAB bonus bet. That is what is up for grabs. First at the crease, we're going to Christchurch. Come in, John. fellas. How you doing today? Good, very good. Uh, John, uh, what did you make of last night? I need an, uh, an opinion from a, a Cantab. <laughs> yeah, look, I stayed up and watched the whole lot, Smitty, and, um, and I actually think that decision that he made was the right one, because at the end of the day, he had fallen him a couple of times, and um, he's quite within his rights. I actually thought it should have been a free kick and not a scrum, actually. I think that's what the law would normally be. But anyway, uh, the best thing is we beat the Aussies again. The weather's no safe for another year, and who cares? Let's move on. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. Yeah, yeah, we'll win the rugby championship too, and uh, Ian Foster will be uh, Joe Popular again, yeah? <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that, though, mate. That's, that'd be pretty debatable. That was just a Christchurch question I, I just posed to you there, John. Not moving <laughs> along, right? Oak, what are the, what are the uh, categories today, Logan? What are we looking at with uh, John and I? Uh, well, two decades of the Bledisloe Cup. How good. The categories for you today, John. The NFL, golf and cricket. Take your pick. Oh, I don't know much about NFL at all. So um, let's take the golf. 
have a crack at golf, mate. All right. Good luck to you, mate. Love a bit of golf. Smithy loves a bit of golf. Here we go. First question. Who was the PGA Tour's Player of the Year for 2022? 2022. That'd have to be Scotty Shipler. Surely. Just a couple of chips down the wicket. Right in the slot. And away it goes. Yeah, nicely done, Smithy. Yep, absolutely. That was uh, one I would have known. So, uh, well done, John. Moving along. Second question. Scheffler leads the PGA Tours rankings with LAV defector Cameron Smith in second. Who was third on that list? Uh, who was third? Geez, I should know. The third. Oh, I'll have to go Rory. That's the couple of chips down the wicket. Right in the slot and away it goes. What a year it has been for Rory McIlroy, Smithy. Yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah, it has- it's been great because he's also championed the cause as well. In the meantime, every time he's, he's not on the course, he's championing uh, tradition off the course. So, love Rory. Absolutely love them this great. year. Um, yeah, he's, he's right with you. He is. Great to watch too. Okay, uh, question three. All right, I guarantee this one is nowhere near as easy as those first two if you're a golf fan, but we'll see. Tiger, <laughs> Tiger Woods is tied for first with most wins in PGA history with 82, including 15 majors. Name the golfing legend he shares that record with. Jack Nicholas. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. I will say, when Brian tests these questions on me, that's where I win as well. Jack Nicholas. Smithy, over to you. Got it. Got this. Sorry, John. I'm about to wrap your ration card for the weekend. I'm very, very <laughs> sorry. But, but the winner of this, with his dapper dress and his wonderful little trilby hat that he used to wear, is Slammin' Sam Sneed. Slammin' oh, Sammy Sneed. Right in the slot, and away it goes. Yep. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear Briar, but yeah, that is absolutely correct. 82 PGA wins, seven majors there. So, yep, tied with Tiger. Nicely done, Smithy. Yeah, thank you. Hey, John, have a great weekend, regardless of the fact that you'll have to pump with your own money this weekend. But, um, yeah, hey, look, thanks very much, and I hope Canterbury win this weekend as well. Cheers. Have a great weekend, fellas. Thank you, Eric. Yeah, cheers, John. Thank you. Great competitor, John. Uh, It's 11.39 here on SCNZ. Slamming Sam Sneed, just like that. Uh, Greg O'Connor is going to do the uh, trotting segment for this this week. We'll speak to him very shortly. SCNZ. Right, uh, every time on a Friday, uh, this uh, particular time, we catch up uh, with either Greg O'Connor or uh, Mick Guerin, but uh, today it's uh, Greg O'Connor's turn, and uh, Greg, we're talking about uh, harness racing at Addington tonight, and uh, Omaru on Sunday. Yeah, morning to you, Smithy. Busy time uh, as we build through the spring towards the second Tuesday in November for the big dance, the IRT New Zealand Cup. We'll get to... Uh, Omaru on uh, Sunday shortly, but Addington have got a good program tonight, Smithy. Nine races. Uh, the feature's actually a race called the Woodland Stud Sire Stakes Harness 7000. It's for horses that uh, their sires, their dads, if you like, uh, stood for a service fee of 7000 or less. That shouldn't detract from the quality of horse that we've got in it, though, and it, and it hasn't, because Artie's Express was too good last week for True Fantasy, who is, uh, or was the best two-year-old filly of her year, and 
arguably as good as any at three. So Artie's Express has to draw barrier nine, courtesy of the uh, uh, preferential barrier draw. So she's out wide to her insider, a horse called Don Morrow, who's won four of seven, and was absolutely outstanding at Addington when second last time. And a real mover, I think, in the three-year-old ranks, a horse called Mossdale Ben. I expect he and Don Morrow to try and stay in front of Artie's Express, and that gives both of those horses a big winning chance. Mossdale Ben at $5 Smithy, Don Morrow at $2.70. If you wanted to play or find a multi-lot for the week, I think it comes in the form of Majestic Man in race number five. Uh, look, he's back to a short course, Smithy, 1980. Circumstances have gone against him uh, in his last couple. Yes, he got beaten by Muscle Mountain, but he was just simply too good. The run before was excellent. Uh, 1980s right up his uh, right up his alley, and I think he'll win tonight. So that's race five, number eight, Smithy Majestic Man, who's trained by Phil Williamson, and he mm-hmm. and the family will be looking to have a great day there at uh, Omaru on Sunday. It is the Hannon Memorial. You know the race well, Smithy. Number of cup winners mm-hmm. either win it or come through that race. And this year we get to see the star two and three-year-old of his year in Akuta for the All-Stars team. Uh, it's his first race day appearance in this campaign. There's still uh, a little bit of uh, up in the air in terms of whether he actually goes to the Cup. Now, the reason for that is the derby for the three-year-olds because of the age changes now held in December. So he's got the derby three weeks after the New Zealand Cup. Uh, I wouldn't want this horse in anyone else's hands than Mark Purden. He part-owns the horse as well. Uh, He'll do the right thing by him. But, Smithy, the pressure will go on if he's able to beat a field like this. He's up against Krug, ultra-wise guy who Mm. won last week, an outstanding pacer and playboy, and an up-and-comer called Tommy Waterhouse. So it's it's a really nice race for him to line up first up in it. The bookmakers, Smithy, have put him up $2. Only flip of the coin... And he is having his first standing start, which can be a bit of a trap as well. That can be uh, a bit of a trap. So uh, all the money on there, they'll be very anxious uh, uh, when the ribbons are pulled back. Uh, Greg, of course, um, you'll be with us, hopefully, to preview that uh, Omaru meeting uh, on Sunday morning about 11. Yeah, that's right. And we will have Mark Putin on. Uh, I'll confirm that tonight at the race at Smithy, but I'm sure he won't say no. And we'll have Phil Williamson on as well. He's the local man at Omaru. He's been a master trainer for a long time, so uh, I'm sure he'll be able to uh, find a winner or two for us in his local area. So we'll catch up with both of those said gentlemen. And we'll speak to the country's leading rangeman as well in Blair Orange. He has a full book of drives down there, an excellent book of drives, and I'm sure there'll be a couple of uh, winners amongst those. Good on you, Greg. Uh, have a terrific weekend. Um, whatever you're doing, mate, uh, just enjoy. And uh, we'll uh, hear from you on Sunday again. Uh, punt well. Punt successfully. Yep, certainly will. Good on you, Smithy. Thanks, mate. Cheers, uh, and thanks very much for that advice, too, for uh, our punters listening in. Opportunities there are uh, plenty to make money. There's actually a terminating pick six tonight at Addington as well, involving uh, two or three of the horses that Greg's just mentioned. So you might want to throw them in your legs. Right, uh, the White Ferns uh, were apparently about to play some cricket in Antigua, but they've been hit by, what, a cyclone, Logan? Yeah, that's right. Uh, We were scheduled to have uh, Sarah McGlashan, the uh, batting coach on the show today, but... Yeah, things have sort of taken a bit of turn, uh, taken a turn over there in Antigua. Tropical Storm Fiona has delayed the start of the White Ferns 
uh, ODI series. The storm already has caused extensive showers and Antigua is likely to reach its peak over Antigua and the Leeward Islands uh, Friday local time, meaning no play will be possible. The second ODI due to take place uh, on the 19th New Zealand time, still set to go ahead. However, that match could also be at risk if the tropical storm causes any residual damages in Antigua. Both sides have confirmed their intention to complete the full tour and will discuss the rescheduling rescheduling of matches to accommodate the postponed uh, fixtures so far. Sunday's match originally scheduled to be the second ODI would now be the first. Both the ODI and the T20 series carry a particular importance for the White Ferns as the ODI series counts towards the ICC Women's Championship and eventual qualification for the 2025 Women's Cricket World Cup, while the T20 series provides important preparation for the 2023 T20 World Cup in February. Uh, Tropical Storm Fiona is predicted to bring lightning and heavy winds that will pose no safety risks to the White Ferns touring party. Thanks for that. Batting down the hatches in Antigua by the sound of it. Mm. Uh, It's a lovely port actually, Antigua. Some of those uh, very expensive yachts will be, um, I would imagine, uh, tied up with double ropes, etc., just in case they head off into the Caribbean unexpectedly. Uh, We've had a lot of, uh, thanks for that, Logan. We've had a lot of texts in this morning. Uh, Probably won't have a chance to read them all out, but uh, a couple here of uh, interest uh, this morning, Smithy. So much drama in that game. I thought the AB showed some moments of brilliance. Yes, there definitely are work-ons. But it's good to see them having more confidence. I've got no issue with how we won. I found it enjoyable to see the Aussies upset. We talk about the black caps needing to be more hard-nosed. Maybe that should apply to the All Black supporters. Come on, guys, don't feel sorry for the Aussies. We won, and that's what matters. Yahoo, go black. And that is from Steve. Uh, and uh, another text in saying, uh, Steve said that Christy is our, Steve Devine said Christy is our fastest halfback. Christy's twice stopped at the ruck, looking both ways, and then knocked on at a counter ruck when playing against Argentina. Aaron was excellent last night, and Brad Weber is, Weber is clearly number two but is a victim of Foster's irrational selection. It's a crime. He isn't in the team. So opinions still floating around on the rugby, and that will continue, I'm sure, throughout the afternoon in Mark Stafford's show, which we will preview with him very shortly. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely, and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.